to the Waking Up From Work podcast. My name is Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back, community. What's happening today? You're listening to the Waking Up From Work podcast, episode 32. This is your host, Dave Swillam, kicking it off in here. First off, I want to thank you guys for listening. I'm starting to put these out weekly right now. It is possible at some point my schedule hits me hard again and I go back to bi-weekly, but right now we are going to be coming out every single Monday at 7 a.m. So we're ramping it up a little bit. Happy to see that. And uh, seeing a lot of great things. We, we just hit 2,000 downloads, which is incredible. You know, um, I can't thank you guys enough for hanging out with me. If anyone is looking into recording stuff, I completely redid the Crawlspace Audio website and it looks hot and fresh right now. So if you want to go check out some of the stuff that I'm doing and work with me on any recording, mixing, mastering for artists or for anything with audiobooks or podcasting, I would love the work to keep me busy and keep me going. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. It has some of my work on there. It also has a blog that I started that is going to have tips and tricks for people recording at home, people getting ready for the recording studio, artists, music business. It's going to have some of that very potent material as a way that I can go more in depth in that space because I cover so many different topics to help creatives as a whole on this facet that that's a way that we can dig deeper with that audience. So go check it out, crawlspaceaudio.com. Today, uh, very excited. So for musicians, you're going to get a lot of value of of this one. Also for business owners as a whole, listening to this person, you're going to get a lot of value. So it's really got a lot covered in this one episode. I'm going to warn you, there's some issues I ran into with audio quality. There's some odd black magic happening between Zoom and my interface. And unfortunately, it led to me kind of cutting some of my Zoom audio, which is not a good quality, and some of my regular audio, which is a good quality, and kind of Frankensteining them together to make it through this episode. But it's not unbearable, uh, just a warning, but the content is super awesome. So for those of you that don't know him, he's going to kick himself off for an introduction, but I have Scott Page on from Pink Floyd. He's also played with Toto and Supertramp. He's a saxophone and guitar player. Unreal smart businessman talking about music business in the industry right now, the current way that you succeed as an artist. We talked about ways of testing ideas and ways of you know, filtering what you do and your ideas for your actions quicker and more punctual. And we also talk about just the way that we think about things and the way that we let things stress us or not stress us. And uh, I think you're going to find some really cool stuff in this episode. Very excited to have him on. Check it out. So welcome to episode 32 of the Waking Up From Work podcast, where we get to work, making work a passion, making life full-time. Today, I've got a super treat for you folks. If your Pink Floyd heart is in your chest, it will beat a little quicker. So I've got Scott Page here, who is the saxophone player and has done rhythm guitar work for Pink Floyd, Supertramp, Toto. And if you go to Wikipedia, you'll see just a list of people that he's hanging out and playing with. He's also an entrepreneur and technologist who has businesses 
when I'm reading in there, Scott, I'm seeing medical, I see entertainment, I see post-production, I see just different types of techs and tech. And you seem to be all in, you know, hands in many pots, sir. Thanks uh, yes. for with me. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to do your show. And hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I, I kind of grew up in a family that was an entrepreneur. My father actually was a musician also. And I grew up on a show called The Lawrence Welk Show, which is kind of interesting. I don't know how many viewers out there. You have to be a, a little older to remember that show. But it was early television back in the 50s. Uh, and my father, uh, from doing that show, on top of that, he was doing series of of different types of business. We had, when I was growing up, I remember we had boat businesses. We had donut businesses. At one time we had 26 donut shops. We had a lighting business. We had a reed business. Uh, we, we were in the business. And my, uh, my dad was one of the inventors of the Wawa pedal, uh, which is the famous guitar pedal, which you all know. And I grew up in a studio called sound city, which everybody also knows, which was my dad's studio. So I have a, I've grown up in sort of the music and uh, entrepreneurial spirited family, for sure. Well, <laughs> I can't even imagine a childhood where those things are taking place. Neither can I. Now that I look back, it's pretty funny. <laughs> when you're there, it probably seemed normal, right? Like, you're uh, like It seemed like anything. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm coming to the studio today, you know, I'll swing around all 26 of these donut stands today, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. I used to get up. My dad would wake me up in the morning because I was, I was in like seventh grade or something. I was a master donut maker because after hanging out with all the guys and a lot of times, you know, they'd have the catering trucks would come to be picking up donuts, but the, the, uh, the chef or the donut cooking guy would not show up. And so my dad would wake me up at like five o'clock in the morning, say, dude, we got to go to the, we got to go to the Pacific Palisades store. I got to have you cook donuts. So I'd go there before I'd go to school, cook donuts so that the catering trucks could pick up all the stuff, and then I'd go back to school. So, yep, uh, definitely donuts were in my uh, my life, yes. Buck stops with you, right? That's right. When a guy doesn't show up, then you're going to go make donuts, I guess, right? I was the donut guy then. That was it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, so I guess, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things to go through with you. Uh, for my audience, we basically, we focus on, going after making your career or whatever you get an income from or just the life in general, what you want it to be. So we have a big mix of, I'm a musician, I'm an audio engineer. So we got musicians and audio engineers that we're talking music industry with. And then all in general, entrepreneurs, small businesses, just taking things that, you know, are helpful in, in, in helping them and also sharing stories to just kind of for the people who haven't really taken the jump yet, or they're working on it and it just takes time giving them kind of food to digest and be like, okay, I'm on my way doing the right things, or these are the things I can work on. Um, you know, I guess to, to kick it off from your past, just going through so many different stages yeah. of the music industry. And I know that you also teach a lot. Yeah. I've read on, on the, well, I've taught. Yeah. Right. Mentor, mentor most, but yes, I've done some teaching. Yes. Yeah. What, what, well, what, actually, actually what you're talking about is one of my two favorite subjects. So this is a perfect thing. I, I truly believe this is the greatest time in the history for independent artists I and mean, people. I mean, listen, look what we're doing right now. I mean, you were never able to be able to even think about trying to build a business around this type of a format, you know, 10 years ago, yeah. it was impossible. Um, we also have oops, somebody's trying to call me there. Uh, we also have um, people uh, 
you know, you it, virtually you have in your palm of your hand the phone that's actually being my broadcast network. Yeah, is a global broadcasting audience building uh, incredible tool set for you to actually build a business today. And so the whole idea of the opportunity that affords people to be able to work from even from their cell phones and actually build a business is, is just incredible today. And yes, I do teach. I, I've taught a thing I call space, which is story, plan, army, conversion, education. And it's really like the formula, business formula for artists or independents or any type of business to kind of to survive today because the, the model is so totally different. Um, if we take music in general, let's just start with that with an artist. Right. Um, you know, you can't sell music anymore. Right. Game, that game's over. There's no money to be made music. So the question is, is what can you sell? Yeah. And the thing you can sell today as an artist is the relationship. If people really like you and your lifestyle, they'll follow you. You can charge them. There's things you can do. And that's one style. The other is creating an experience. People will pay for an experience. So most musicians need to realize that their art, their music is really the, the calling card, the marketing engine to create something else that you can actually sell. So the music is actually right. one of those types of things. Yeah. And the space formula is really, uh, for any entrepreneur out there, um, is based on, when I say story, plant, army, conversion, education, story is critical because it's the thing that helps you rise above the noise. And when I tell an artist, I ask an artist, the first question I said, you know, tell me your story. And I said, they start telling me the story of, hey, I'm a guitar player from Cincinnati. I grew up on a farm, blah, blah. And I'm saying, nobody cares about that story. Yeah. That story, nobody cares. There's a million guitar players that grew up someplace that are playing guitars that are making music. The real <laughs> story is what do you stand for? What purpose are you bringing? What is it that you your unique value proposition that's your story that makes it happen. And so that's why I start telling artists, that, you know, building that, what is your mission? What are you trying to make happen? And what problem are you solving? Yes. Because every business, every business that you're going to, that you're going to build throughout, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's all about solving a problem for somebody that, or something that people will actually pay for. So I use that metaphor of saying, you know, again, as an artist, uh, especially today, we're now getting into the kind of we first model, which is not, it's not just about me. It's about what we can do to kind of help, um, you know, in society and things. And we're seeing that more with millennials. So I, I talk to artists, well, what do you yeah. stand for? What is it? What purpose? Is there something that you care about so much? And it could be a charity. It could be climate change. It could be something that you can bring into your music where you can have your art form actually help support something in your community or something else. It gives you something else to talk about, but it also gives you a set of data points because today as artists, we finally have access to the data, which we never had. And that's one of the key drivers. So I tons of data, crazy uh, data. It, it's crazy what we have access to, which is critical uh, for, uh, you know, making decisions on what you're going to go do. So, that aspect of it in the tools that we have. So the story, because it gives you keywords, key phrases, key things, something you care about, you're passionate about. I always tell people, whatever that other thing besides your music, you have to believe it. You have to care. You can't just pick something out of the blue because the goal is it's something you want to get up every day and kind of fight for and make happen. And you bring your art form into the, into the mix. Uh, and that story. So those keywords, phrases I can give to a growth hacker and that person can go out and actually assemble and find the audience. So I'm going to have a much better conversion rate of moving people to either 
come to my shows, buy something from me or whatever I'm trying to basically promote. Right. The second, the second part is once you have your story together, then it's the plan. And when I talk about the plan, I'm, I use, again, like I was talking about lean startup principles. Anybody out there can go Google lean startup, go understand what that is. But there's a set of principles with lean startup. It's used all the time now in Silicon Valley. Many entrepreneurs are using it. That's how you know, venture capitalists, all these people are looking. And the goal of a lean startup principle is, is number one, is you uh, test and validate everything. So before you even go make something, you test it and validate it to make sure that people care about it. Right. Because there's so often I hear people in art say, oh, I'm going to go make this album. I'm going to go do all this stuff. And you go, you're going to spend all that time. And we don't even know if the audience is going to care about that. Yeah. Right. It's because especially today, it's a singles world. EPs are probably the biggest thing you'd actually really want to make. It's difficult to get anything reviewed if it's more than four or five songs. So again, looking at the marketplace, right. singles are where it's at. So I, I always recommend let's test and validate, get some fee- feedback before we pour gas on something and make sure that there's a reason to go do that. Because otherwise you could spend a ton of time uh, working on something that nobody cares about. And in the lean startup, well, that's called the founder's dilemma. Oh, I got a great idea. I know if I build it, they'll come. And then you yeah. spend all this money, you build it, and nobody cares. And yeah. trust me, I have, <laughs> I have been there. I am the poster child. I have done that several times throughout my career. We'll do that one no more. No more. Because that There's makes no, no more sense. build it, they will come. It's no, not, it's all it's about not that way. data. I want data. I want to know what's valuable. I want to know how it's going to fit in the marketplace. I'm going to see if people care about it. So that goes into Lean Startup Principles. And one of the foundations of the principle, oh, first of all, it's, Test and validate. Okay. Do not run. Do not run out of resources. If you got a thousand dollars, don't go waste your thousand dollars until you know what you're going to go spend that thousand dollars on. <laughs> right. So you don't want to run out of resources. So figure that out. Uh, um, and then the the other one is fail fast, because if nobody cares, you want to fail as quickly as possible so that get you it get done. It done. Get out of the way. Right? Keep keep creating. Yeah. Keep taste testing. Test yep. testing, get it figured out, see if what you're doing, am I mashing something good? Do I sound unique? Because, you know, as an artist, the goal is you've got to create something that's unique, right? You've got to create something that allows you to rise above the noise. What makes you different? What's, what are you bringing to the party that separates you from everybody else? That's really part of the deal of testing, validating, trying things, mashing interesting things together to create new things, but something that will create some value. Uh, and one of the major parts of the lean startup principles there's a thing called the lean canvas and the lean canvas is a one-page business plan it's a methodology it's a one-page plan you can go get it tell everybody go you go to lean stack stack.com lean stack.com you can sign up it's a canvas and what i mean by that it's one page and it's got nine questions on it and you have to answer those nine questions and the goal is you answer them in the first uh, 20 minutes the first time then you start to whittle. Now, what's important about the lean canvas is it asks those, it, you know, basically asks the questions, you know, who are your, who are your, uh, 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 you know, uh, who is your, uh, um, you know, your, uh, uh, your, your target audience? Uh, what is it you're doing that's unique? Uh, who else is out in the marketplace? All these questions you're going to ask yourself. And the, co- the, gore, the goal of the lean canvas is not only to tell you what you're going to do, but to tell you what you're not going to do, because right. that's one of the big problems. We focus a lot and spend a lot of time wasted on things that aren't going to get you to where you go. Because a big part of lean is what is the smallest thing I can do that's going to give me the biggest amount of impact? Right. What's the you- simplest, smallest, tiniest 
activity that I can make happen that's going to go. So going through this process of using the canvas, learning how it works and whittling it down will help you decide exactly what you're going to go do and why you're going to do it and eliminate everything else until later. So once you go through the lean, uh, the lean canvas, so that's the story plan, the next one's army. And this is critical. And I mean by that is that's really the influencers. Who are the people that are around you that you have in your world, your sphere of folks that are core influencers? Because the model is to influence the influencers first, because they're the ones that tell everybody else, right? spider so idea, Yeah. So the idea of the army is who are the pe- my super fans? Who are the people that are closest to me that I can reach out to if I have the right kind of plan that can help me, right? And I always tell artists, they said, do you even know who your super fans are and what they do? Because you'll be amazed that oftentimes some of your super fans, if you ask them, they're going to say, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm a video editor. Or, hey, I make websites. And these are things that as an artist, you have to have a team to win today. It's very difficult to do it by yourself, right? Right. With and anything, really, I think. Still- With any if- entrepreneurship, any business too, like there's always... There's, there's always strengths and weaknesses that you have, to, you have to maneuver and figure out what it is and then find something to, to bridge the gap. Well, that's why I always ask. Here's a big question I'm going to ask all your audience members out there that want to start businesses, build their careers. Number one, are you a starter or are you a finisher? I love that. I heard, I've listened to a podcast with you on it today and, and heard and you I, talk about that. And I was like, I'm pumped up for tonight, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really important because to knowing what your skill sets are and where you lack, like for myself, I'm the monster starter. I, 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 I can really start things, figure it out. I kind of have that vision. I go out, find the people, I send them people, but I need finishers. So I always work with a business partner and that business partner is the, takes, does everything I don't do. Spreadsheets, analysis, write-ups, all those things. So as, as an entrepreneur out there, no matter what, who you are, make sure you understand what your skills are and make sure you surround yourself with the people that have the other skills that you're going to need, right? So that's the starter finisher. So once you get through your army, you build your army and that's put a spreadsheet together, put all the people around you, talk to your other band members, figure out where you have access to people that can actually help you with the idea that if I go to them and I have a value proposition that's good for them too, because remember, right. you want to say, it's always with them. What's in it for me? Yep. Right? People want to know, hey, great, I love your thing. But in the back of their mind, where they're going to say, well, what's in it for me? Right? So if you go into a business meeting or go into something, knowing what value you're bringing to them, it's much help, much easier to help convert, get them to come on board and help you out. So it's, it's that process. Then we get after the army, then it's the sea of space, which is conversion. And that's critical because, like I tell everybody, people can have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, but are you converting on anything? Are you, are you making any money? Another question I ask are, is this a business or is this a hobby? It's like, if it's a business, then we have to think like a business and you have to adapt, think of your fans as customers. It's a little different in that sense because now they're not just fans coming to my show. And what I find with most artists, they don't want to say anything. They hate bringing the business part into it. Well. If it's a business, you got to got to generate revenue, right? And like, I, like so many, like with business or with music, right? It's like you don't have to think of it as like, how do I just get the most amount of money and like be malicious about it? But it's like, how do I, if I really believe that my music helps people, I really believe that my business helps people, and I'm really trying to be forward with that value. The only way to get to more people 
to help more people or to let more people hear your music that you think is valuable is to think of it in that way and think of a way that is going to be efficient in actually growing that reach. You can't help them. What value are you bringing? If right. you are passionate about something and you're bringing real value, it's easy to ask people for to jump on board because you have a mission. <laughs> That's why the story, I go back to what's, I have a plan. I have a mission. I'm actually going to go create some value. I want you to help me. And for that, I'm going to get, you know, give you the things that I bring into it. So it's really creating that in your business model, right? Is how to make that work. Sure. Because again, once I know those people that care about that, that also allows me to target exactly that group of people so that I, my value, my conversion rate. So going back to the conversion piece, that, that idea of generating revenue as a business, because it's a business, conversion is critical. And there's now we know we have so much data on what they call conversion funnels. And conversion funnels are a methodology of, it's, it's basically kind of a, how do I take somebody when I first meet them, build relationship, build trust, and then basically sell them the proposition or get them to sign up to my newsletter or whatever, because the goal is, is you want to build that trust with those people. So uh, the conversion. So I tell everybody, conversion funnels are very well defined now. Google is the best friend you've ever had in your entire life. You can type in anything. And basically find experts and people on this. So just go type in conversion funnels. How do conversion funnels work? What do they do? And learn how that process is because that's part of the, the model is I need to move somebody as a, as when I meet them and I got to move them through the funnel and get them into what, I've, what I'm basically, my value that I'm trying to sell or my business that I'm trying to convert on. And then once you've studied the conversion funnels, then the next thing is E because E is what I'm talking about without this education. Without the education, you can't do any of those things that I talk about at the top. You have to go to school, basically. So I recommend that every artist or anybody I work with spend at least an hour or two in the morning reading blogs of people that are doing it. All you get, you just go in, like, instead of using, you want to figure out how do I market stuff. So type in how to use Twitter for business, how to use Facebook or Instagram for business. Things that tie to business and you're going to get up all this information and they're going to start teaching you, here's what you do to use social media as a conversion tool to build your business. So get educated, start following people that are, that are experts in your field and educate yourself and use that as part of your business model. And that's sort so of that's right. Right to what you said in the beginning where you're trying to, you're using that list to say like, what is like, is this viable? And then what can I do to create the biggest impact from the least movement, the same in education where it's like, you don't, you can't get educated on everything. So no. it's like, um, I was just listening or reading on something the other day, which it kind of like took the, the idea of the way that you can manage different like supply chains and expressed it to education where you take the, the, the just in time approach for education, yeah. where it's like, if you need, you're like, man, you know, I'm not being, I'm not using Twitter. Like nothing is converting on Twitter. I'm seeing the numbers. Twitter's not being used as this tool. You're, you're only getting educated on that one thing instead of just like, we have so much information right now with right. education as well that you don't want to get educated on everything. It's got to yeah. pertain to what you need for that impact. Right. And so one of the things that I recommend, and that's kind of what lean, the lean canvas does. It's going to help you focus on the areas that you need to. But it's really important for artists to understand they need to get educated, not so much that they will do all the work themselves, but they need to know who to call. 
They right. got to know if they're trying to get somebody to run their social campaigns. Do these people really even know what it is? Because everybody's a social media guy now, right? Oh, I do social media. I do social media. But do those social, does it convert? Do you understand growth hacking? Do you understand how to conversion? I mean, all these pieces, how to optimize your copy, your landing pages. So at least once you get educated and you start understanding at least the basics, when you talk to somebody to bring them on to help you out, you're going to know if they're the real deal or not, because you can be fooled so easily by so many, you know, that everybody's an expert, right? So getting yourself educated is a really, is really key. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so much to digest. I will put in the link to that in the show notes. I'm going to have to go back and grab it, but, uh, that's a lot for like musicians or business. I think that's super attainable for, for both of them. And the space model is basically the space model works for any kind of business. It doesn't have to be for musicians. It can be for any small business. The same thing, because we're now in a world where the goal is it's all about, there's a model that they talk that Kevin Kelly uh, from wired magazine did about 10 years ago. He talked about the thousand true fan. And that's really starting to, that model is starting to make sense. And what I mean by that, a true fan is somebody that will spend $100 a year on whatever you're doing. If I have 1,000 of them, there's my first $100,000 in revenue, right? So my model is go small. Stop trying to boil the ocean and reach out to everybody and everything. Find your target audience, work that audience, build it, build a repeatable model around a small group of people and then scale it once you know that that starts to work. Re- building a repeatable model is a big part of lean startup principles also. Uh, I wanted to mention, there's a book called Running Lean. Running Lean. And he's the guy that basically started the, as the site, the lean stack doc. I was in Ash Mira. I suggest everybody go read that book and then go get a lean canvas. This will help you in the thinking of building any business that you want to do to basically trim down the amount of work you're doing to just focus on the things that are going to get you to the next level. So well, there that, you go. That, that's yep. so crucial because you hear time and time again of that, that classic entrepreneurial aspect where especially, I feel especially if you're that type of person where you're saying you're a starter, you just come up with ideas and then it's easy to get excited about them too. And, and you're, you're saying you're coming, you've, you've given a tool and something that people can use to filter through, get to the point and and taste things quick and then use it to get focused really on what it is that you're trying to do because you can't do everything. Right. Because what people don't understand is the idea is the simple part. It's all about the execution. There's a a site called founders.org that I use all the time when I, I work with startups. And so they come in, they're working, and then they're trying to determine who gets what based on what they brought to the startup. Like let's say there's four or five people. And so I say, well, you want to get your business straightened out. Who owns what? Who's what's the what's the slice of the pie early so that you don't have problems later on when somebody says, hey, it was my idea and I came up with it and that's worth 50% of the thing, right? Well, no. Yeah. Because then you cause already problems. You want to get that all figured out early so that you don't get anybody gets wrong expectations. But founders Dogger, they got a they got a tool that you can type in what you, everybody and what they do, and then it spits out ownership. It'll oh, say, wow. and at the end, what you're going to find out, if you were the guy with the idea, that's worth 5%. Wow. Oh my God. Not the whole idea. It's the guys putting up the time, the money, the putting in the hours, all of that other stuff to execute. So that's yeah. why I don't freak out as much about people like learning about my idea. 
oh, I've got my idea. Somebody's going to steal it. No. <laughs> it's so hard to, to execute on most ideas. I don't worry about that because it's really who's going to execute and deliver on the ideas is really where the, the, holy, where the rubber meets the road, right? That's like um, circling back just because it, it was so interesting to me. Like as, as, a, as a Pink Floyd fan, you know, I've seen yeah. – you know, David Gilmore, Roger Waters. So I might have, I might have even seen you. I don't know. Um, Good have Brit, Brit, Brit Floyd, Australian Pink Floyd. You know, I've I've been to them. And when you're talking, I played about, with them. I just played with Brit Floyd just recently. Yeah, I read that. But it yeah. was on the West Coast, right? Yeah, we played on the West Coast. We did. I did one at the. Uh, they did a show at the uh, uh, what is it called? The big theater here in Los Angeles. Ah, I can't remember. Anyway, we did. I've done a Friday shows there. I think that they are super tight musicians. I kept trying. I kept watching and I'm just like, I just, I heard everything that I wanted to hear out of it. I don't know. Everyone was on point with their instruments. Oh yeah. They're great players. And Eduardo, the the guitar player is a monster. I mean, the guy's incredible player. Yeah. Yeah. Great band. When, you know, and you obviously experiencing that, like Pink Floyd always brought like you guys were so forward with that idea of the experience for what people are at are are really living in during a concert. It's not just to go to some speakers and then just see like definitely some lights and you know yeah. fog to dress something yeah. up. It's an experience when you walk into those shows. The entire yeah. world becomes something different. And when you're talking about modern music, you're talking about selling an experience. And and what does your band do to create an experience for people so that it's worth going out and doing something instead of being on Netflix or Facebook? We're at home doing all the things that we can do right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about? Sure, absolutely. That's that's my I subject think, right now. Oh gosh, I, I read yeah. something about maybe having mobile domes or something. You have to get something over to Boston, man. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. My, my company, Think Experience, uh, is an immersive entertainment company because, again, the data, the trends show where where the market's going. Right. Yeah. Where is it happening? And it is happening in these immersive style shows and these you see these pop-ups that are popping up like the museum of ice cream and there's a handful of them where they pop up in a town and they show up and they're selling tickets like crazy because people are coming in they're getting to go through an experience they got selfie stations you're really creating something that's unique because let's face it i've got access to more videos and music than i can even stand now i mean every day i got this device in my hand i've got everything at my fingertips what i can't give is an experience so think we've been doing our first our, our first beta, our first uh, beta launch has been uh, our base. What I'll call my uh, uh, MVP, which is a minimal viable product. I call it an MDP, uh, a minimal desirable product. We've been doing uh, a <laughs> think. Our first think experience has been a think Floyd show. Gee, that's funny. Uh, okay. A think Floyd show in a three hundred sixty degree immersive dome in downtown Los Angeles called Wisdom LA. And it's crazy, 500 people in this dome, laying back in chairs, 360 degree visuals while we're doing Pink Floyd. It's like having a shared VR experience. Now, yeah, what in that real life. Taught, sorry? Living in it, not yeah, even, it's like you're you don't it. have VR on your face and you have to put up things around the room. You literally are alive. You are in it, you're inside this, this, this experience. Nuts. And what this told me, again, the data has been incredible because we virtually sold out every show, 25 shows we've done, 26. We're getting ready to do two more this week, Thursday and Friday. Um, but more importantly, people are coming back. 
like over and over again. It has that kind of impact because it's such a unique experience. Uh, and we're actually in the middle now of, uh, in the middle of putting up a, re- a 1600 seat space uh, in Los Angeles that we're working on right now, which will be an incredible. But the idea of an immersive entertainment experience, and I even tell small bands, artists, hey, you can create, instead of doing a show in a club, turn it into something, right? Have a, have a, uh, you know, bring, bring, uh, like I used to do this thing called painters and players, where instead of my show, I'd bring all these great artists and painters and they'd all set up and paint and we'd jam together and then we'd sell the art off at the end of the night, right? Well, it's yeah. something that's different. Create a mashup of something unique that people will say, wow, I want to be part of that, right? I want to be, you know, all-star karaoke and rock and roll band does. And then you still bring your music, you do something else, but you have an event, something of an experience that people can go to and they will show up. Because we've, av- we've been averaging almost $80 a ticket at that show, which is incredible, right? And that's because it's based on an experience. And Something I can't I, get from other things. I have to go to the place and be there, right? Right. And our experience, remember, the experience doesn't start when the show. The experience starts the minute you buy the ticket. That's our model. So we start bringing them into the storyline, the show. Uh, we're actually in the midst of working on building an AR app. and We have a whole business model where the live shows feed into the online subscription business model where there's pieces that are tied to all that, but it's the idea of now bringing the phone, the capabilities of that into the experience. So those are all things that now we as artists, they, everybody has access to apps and things are yeah. getting cheap. The idea of experience, the idea of, you remember calling a couple other bands and mashing some ID together and create that as an experience and put another, you have to think differently today about the business. And the great part is these tools. I mean, you can buy, you can get little projectors now. You can get projection mapping is happening. There's laser things that you can buy. I mean, all this stuff is is accessible to all of us to be able to do in a really easy way. And, you know, as an artist, combine yourself. Find somebody else that's doing something else. And you can say, let's team up. Find yeah. a lighting company that's got the newest and greatest in laser technology. Let's team up and we'll do a show at this special place. We'll projection map the walls and... We'll sell tickets and we'll have a speaker series before we do the show. That's so right. Yeah. Right. I mean, so things like that, think outside the box that what I can do to create something, people will show up, make sure it's got a good name and a brand and then get everybody to start pumping a a story around that out on your social and start driving traffic to it. Right. Love it. Cool. That's the model. And I learned a lot of that from Floyd. I have to say, I remember sitting with David Gilmore when I first, when we first went to uh, Toronto, we actually rehearsed in an airplane hangar out on the tarmac in Toronto at the Toronto airport. And they used to have to bus us out in between 747s to get us out there. And I remember sitting there one day and I'm watching freaking pigs flying and, you know, they had all this stuff, beds, all this crazy stuff. And I talked to Dave and I said, wow, this is wild. And he says, yeah, the key is make it grand and they will come. And so that's always been the Floyd thing is to bring that extra stuff with, you know, the surround audio and incredible lasers and, you know, oh, going over the top with light and making sure the sound and everything is really rocking. And now we're at a new level where we can really bring immersive 3D audio together, and apps in there. And that's kind of the thing why we did Pink Floyd idea in this is it's called Beyond the Wall is we're wanting to take this new tech and just kind of take Floyd to another kind of 
place using this kind of uh, technology. Weren't available at they those available. times, and now they are. So you're literally bringing it into the, the next time where you're using tools that weren't possible. Right. And one of the right. interesting things about this that I think is interesting to talk to the, to the, uh, the folks out there, especially if they're entrepreneurs, is I took a model. There's a gentleman by the name of Chris Hardwick. Maybe you'll know him. He's a comedian and stuff. Yep. He started, he was a, he had a thing. Um, uh, he had, a, he has a show, a talk show that's called the talking dead, which comes on directly after the walking dead. Right. And what he did is he created a show about a show. And the minute the walking dead's up, everybody comes over to his show to talk about the show. Yeah. Right. So what <laughs> he did was, is he said, there's an incredible audience out there. The, the walking dead isn't servicing the audience. I think I'm going to go service the audience. Right. So I saw that really made me think because he, I read an article that there was something he was offered $15 million from AMC not to leave because he had all the audience. Oh my right. Gosh. So, so the point I'm making is, is think about unique things that you can mash together that are, I don't have to, I don't have for me with the Floyd thing is, or Bowie or any of these, I don't have to explain. I don't have to prove that it's good. Right. I can come up with new ways of mashing it together with by mixing unique pro, mix, mix, unique things together. Sorry, I got tongue tied. Uh, <laughs> to create something that's different, right? So there's incredible brands out there. So an artist might go find some great classic public domain film that they'll score with their thing that everybody knows, right? I mean, you've heard about them taking uh, uh, pink, uh, you know, the dark side of the moon and mashing it with the Wizard of Oz. You know, what is it can you do as an artist or as an entertainer to say, what cool brands are out there that I can get some licenses on, I can do some things with that I can mix and mash up? And you'll be surprised, a lot of these brands and properties out there, people are looking for new ways to generate revenue. So come up with something unique, but you don't have to do it all yourself. You can find a new way to do it, figure mash something together with what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, even like if you look at modern art or music, you see that all the time. I mean, it's littered throughout everything where you have people creating all this content, which is taking other video content and putting either voice or sound over it to make it mean something entirely different or make it into a joke or a meme. Or you have exactly. people who are rappers who are taking old jazz and they're taking it, remixing it, speeding it up and using it now as beats to do rapping over. You know, you just have everything like that is is the way that our culture is forming because we're able we have new tools like that to do exactly and, and you're seeing things like jazz is dead and and these guys jazz guys going out playing grateful dead yeah right that's an interesting mashup it's like oh so now i've got the dead fans saying wow i would love this that could be cool right to see somebody else taking a program so i guess the point is is if anybody giving out there look out there there's so many things that are available that you can come up with a unique twist to create something that makes people go, wow, scratch my head. I want to show up to see that. Right. Right. So that's, a, that's an interesting model, a way to think about it. How are we doing on time for you, Scott? I don't uh, mess you we're up. good, buddy. We're good. I got about another uh, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Okay. I'm going to break in. I've got five questions that okay. I ask people at the end. I'm going to break them out on you. Okay. And, um, they're usually people uh, just answer it like whatever hits the top of your head, but no sometimes we, we go through it. But um, the first one is kind of difficult because you've, you've done so many different things. I guess I usually ask people what has made you pursue this career type 
versus something else. But because you've you've had such a history, I guess let me ask you what what I guess for you has made it so that this lifestyle of entrepreneurship or or full time musicianship what what made it so that you have to do this? Like, there's no other option to do x y or z job that that this is what you have to do and regardless of the good and the bad because there's tons of stuff that kind of sucks about this stuff you know that oh yeah that made you like you're i've got to do it you know you're like i have to do it well for me i think it was that i just being around business all those years i love business too i love the the art of business me too so for me as i said well if i love the art of business and then i can tie it into what i love to do that's how I, why I mashed the two together. I Perfect. always tell artists that you've got to love the business just like you do the, the other part of it because it's art too. There is art to business. This isn't just cut and dry and hardcore, especially if you're trying to build a business with purpose that has value and all those types of things. So I, I personally do it because I love both sides of it. I used to read business books on the road. I would always take my road. I'm getting, we're going on the road for two years. What am I going to do? I'm going to get educated. I'm going to use the time that I have. So I studied business when I was out on the road a lot. So I read all these business books, right? So it's just a matter of looking at it and, and saying, do I, do I love that? And bringing that in. Unfortunately, the hardcore feel of it today is if, you, if, you, if it's going to be a business and not a hobby, and hobbies are fine. I can play music for hobby, play gigs, and, you know, make a hundred bucks at a club, or do I want to build a living? That's a totally different thing where... Right. Now I have to start thinking about, okay, I got to start generating revenue, like real revenue. And in order to generate revenue, I have to understand what it's like to be a business person. Again, for me, I love business. I love the idea that I love the art of it because there is a lot of art of it. There's the art of the deal, uh, which is the other yep. thing, right? How do you make the deal? How do you create that? And all of that is just, for me, it's just, it's, it's makes it fun all the way around. I love that because I, I think like all the time i I'm a musician, but I love business. And, and there's so many musicians where they're just like, dude, I don't care about that at all. I, I just don't care. I, like, dude, I love it. I love it both. And, and they're both good things. You just, you don't, you don't have to love every aspect of everything in, in your business. If you have people to help with the things that you really well, see, do, that's, need, right? That's the most important thing, right? I, I tell artists, you have to figure out how to, if you don't want to do that work, you got to figure out how to build a team that will do the work. Exactly. So you don't have to do it all. You, first of all, you need to understand how it works. Yes. So that you know who to call. Can't but manage leader you, or whole, work with people if you don't, right? The whole game is knowing yeah. who to call and surrounding yourself. First of all, creating a value that will attract those people, creating something that will, people will go, wow, I want to be part of that. So right. That's your first goal. That's why Lean Canvas is like, how do I figure out what's going to be important, what I'm going to build that somebody's going to care about? Finding those people that will help you and getting them to do the work. So you become a great delegator, right? And then you don't have to do all that work. But if you're going to do it yourself, then you got to get out and start learning how to use freaking Photoshop and run ads. And I mean, it's insane. It's a lot of work. So that's <laughs> why I'm saying starter, finisher, find your finishers, build a value proposition for them that they can't, they can't say no to, get them on board, go execute against your plan, make sure you Whatever your plan is going to do, hit your milestones, and then you move on from there. But that's the part of learning the business. So whether you like it or not, you, if it's a business, you're going to have to learn about the business or find somebody you totally trust that knows how to do that. So I would spend all my time as an artist finding how to build my team around what my skill sets were 
before I even do anything else because it's that's the hardest thing. But I have to create something that's going to get those people excited. If they're not excited, I, they're not going to want to help me. Or, and there's no value proposition for them. Remember, it's with them. What's in it for me? You always have to figure out what that's going to be for the other person. This one's hard because a lot of people, like I can tell it about you, are optimistic where like the bad things are still usually good, especially when you've gotten through it. You're like, that was, I'm so happy that happened to me that I, all these bad things that happen, right? Always, you know always, I mean? 100% of the time. I'm going to tell you right now, 100% of the time, all the stuff that is down is up. There's a downside to up. I'm actually working on a book called The Upside of Down because there's all this stuff. Okay. All the downside things are really valuable. And they're where inside of that, there's a, basically a seed of grace. I, I took a pretty heavy spiritual path about 20-something years ago. And um, uh, I really learned that all the suffering is really where the, the gyms are that actually help you. So I can just tell you, I'm an older guy. I've been around doing this a long time. It has 100% always worked out. Not necessarily the way I thought it would, but it worked out. And what's more important was I now realize looking back at the things that I wanted to happen then, if they would have happened, the chances are the thing that was happening now wouldn't have happened. Yep. And I'm like, oh, so that's why learning that say the glass is always half full. I have empty glass doesn't happen. It makes no sense to me. I have no, I can't even grasp that concept because yeah. if you take a look at it, the ups, there's an upside in everything. So those failures, and trust me, man, I failed a bunch and I've beat, gotten beat up myself. And, you know, I've been through tons. It doesn't just roses all the time, you know, because yeah. I've, I've had four companies and I've had several that did really well. And I've had a couple things that just completely got pummeled, right? Yeah. And, but inside those pummelings is where I gained the knowledge that I needed to make the next thing successful. So I, I can't, I, I really, and when things happen to you and they're bad, just start saying to yourself, okay, I know there's a pony in here someplace. There's a reason this happened to help me to move me forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, I know this, let me see. Um, yeah. And here's one other thing I'd like to say before. It's all about the ride. It's not about the outcome. The outcome is an illusion you make in your head that you identify with because here's the truth. When you grasp this one concept, and this is so critical for anybody, anybody that's ever been born, the only thing that's real is you and me talking right now. Right. Everything else is an illusion. Time is an illusion. It's always something I can think about the time. It's a memory. Two minutes ago is an illusion. I can't change it. I can't do anything with it. I can't do anything. Two minutes from now, I have no idea. I, I can't touch it. So the only thing that is real is us talking, which means that the only thing that matters is the step that we're taking right now. And so the ride is where life happens, not in some future thing that you've made up in your head. I can tell you I've had goals in my head that would make me suffer because I get this giant goal in my head, and yeah. then I'd work towards it, and then things would start falling Dare apart. There yourself falling apart. And then it's like, woe's me, woe's me. And then I'd suffer through the reality of this moment, <laughs> suffering about something that I can't change, that I can't do. It's insanity. It's what our egoic mind makes us do. It drives us crazy. We're so identified with thoughts in our head. 
right? And they're not real. So all that matters is the ride. The only thing that's real where I can get real satisfaction, I have any control of, is you and me talking right now. Because I could, sit, I could be sitting here going, oh my God, suffering. I got these bills to pay, da, 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 all this stuff that's going on. But the reality is I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. The memory in my head, this thing that's making me all tense and freaking out is just, it's just, it's an illusion. So I try to tell people to stop as many times in the day and, and ask yourself, stop where you are and say, where am I? Put all your attention on where you are and then ask yourself, am I anxious? Am I feeling any tension or fear right now? And if I am, that's just a telltale sign that you're identified with a thought, unless yes. a bear is chasing you or some something in this reality. This and that's a rational fear where it's like yeah. a, a rational fear is your mind using natural defense mechanisms to warn you that there's a problem where there's a bear right there. And you're like, that that's could different. actually harm me because in the present... That, that is an issue. Is an irrational thought, fear is basing everything off of things that haven't happened based off of circumstances that you're guessing. What might on. happen? What, and then cares? assuming that there could be an issue that's created from it that it, hasn't happened and, it, and it, there's no that, fact to say that it will happen. So the key to life, here it is, is surrendering to what is. What I mean by that is whatever happens is fine. It's supposed to happen. Everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened, <laughs> right? If yeah. it happened, it happened. Yeah. That's why when I, it blows my mind, people that hold grudges or hang on to my car got hit this week and now all week I'm suffering. The car was hit. It's done. I can't yeah. do anything about it, right? So to suffer because of that, who's, it's like picking up a hammer and just keep hitting yourself over the head over and over again. It's insanity. That's what we find out is our mind, which is, Totally. Your mind is incapable of knowing truth from falsehood. It's 100%. That, that I can prove that in one, one little sentence. If the mind was capable of knowing right from wrong or truth from falsehood, there'd be no war. Who would pick up, if you were sane enough, awake enough to know it's a bad idea to blow that kid up with a bomb, right? But the yeah. mind can be tricked into making you think that it's the cause is so important that I can blow my kid up, right? That's insanity. The reality is, is your mind goes right, wrong, right, says two different things, but it's your consciousness. It's that voice in the back that says, you know, I don't think you should do that. So how conscious are you is really key to making decisions. And that decision only happens in the present because you can't make it any other place. So if you're identified with a thought running time and time again, so as a, anybody out there, if you're having the same thought all day long, all that's telling you is how asleep you are, that you're, you're identifying with a movie in your head and you're missing the reality of water in your yard or walking around or going to the, whatever you're doing at that moment because yeah. you're so consumed with an, with an illusion. And that's where the insanity is. And that's the goal is to get to that point where you flop your perspective, your perspective from being the thinker to the watcher, the person that's actually the thing, which is, you know, the people talk about a consciousness, God, whatever the universal thing that kind of makes this whole thing spin for 4.5 billion years. I, I felt that flip happen over maybe the past five years, somewhere in there based off of the reactions that people had in conversations with me. I didn't like yeah. obviously noticeably feel something happen, but like 
when I was having conversations with people, I noticed at one point people started getting mad with me because I wasn't reciprocating negativity when things happened. Like I just was like, okay, like I like I can get empathetic and sympathetic, right? So it's not like when bad things happen, I'm not like, yeah, that's that sucks. I'm sorry. Like it like I definitely feel with people, but I'm just not willing to like there this year there have been some of the hardest things in the world that have happened to me. But before I might have been put out these times, like it, it happened and literally within minutes, I was just like, okay. And I, and it's not like I didn't have bad days where I was like, this definitely still sucks. Yeah, but, we're uh, still talking on, and we're still talking on this podcast right now and everything's okay. You know, right? but, but so, at the end of it, and then some people would get mad. Some people would be like, I don't understand why, like, how do you not have a problem with this? And I'm like, I, I just don't, it just, it's not ruining. It's just not ruining the rest of my entire life. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not happy that my car got in, in an accident. I'm not, I love that truck, you know? Yeah, but, but you're, you're just alive, like, right? So the point is, I but I'm still going and I, and I have another yeah. thing that I'm driving in. You're just like, just not enough to, it's not enough to, yeah. to cause what you're saying right now. And I'm, I'm sorry that you're, you're mad, you know, it's just, it's no, it's crazy. People yeah. are, I mean, the insanity of the human mind, the collective consciousness right now, the, the un, you know, I, I, I use the one, you know, we hear about the woke culture, right? I love hearing that word woke yeah. because it's so interesting is the woke culture to me is like you read all their posts. They, they love everybody and they're doing their yoga and they're meditating and, you know, they care about the people and they're all of this. But then if somebody says something they don't agree with, they turn into ravaged beasts, right? And they start yeah. pouncing on you. I mentioned something <laughs> in a post. One time I wrote something because I had a different experience and I got all these people just pummeled me. Like it was like this thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. These are all the people that are telling me how woke they are. Well, what that tells you, if what that tells you is that insanity, when you ask somebody going and judging somebody else and doing all those things. And if you get upset and you have any form of hate, any form of hate in you, I don't care who it is. And we're seeing that incredibly for the president, which is just to me is insane. I mean, yeah. we don't have to like the guy, but you've got to hate him. I mean, we don't yeah. have to get to that point. You can do, not like his policies, vote him out, move forward. But that insanity that's going on right now. So when people, the, the, these people that are supposedly so woke, most of them, they, yeah. they don't realize that how asleep they are by their actions. So if you're one of those people that feel that you've really hit that spiritual high and you've got it under control, but you actually see yourself writing hateful things about somebody or doing something in the name of love. Remember, they use love. Oh, I'm doing this because of love, because I care so much. It's all right for me to hate. You're missing the point. Then they're not. They, you, they minus not, each other out. They literally take each other sign. out entirely. It's, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means that, wake up. I'm attached to something that is much, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this egoic mind and I'm using this love. I can use hate in the name of love, which is the most absurd thing to me, just in general. I just don't understand it. But. That's, those are good signs. This is not, I'm not judging these people saying it's where it is. It's fine. I'm totally fine with it. It's great. It's part yeah. of the process. This human beings are going again. I don't know if humans will be here in a hundred years, right? I, I don't know. And in reality, truthfully, it doesn't really matter. This thing is spinning and it's going to spin. It's been 4.5 billion years, whether humans make it or not, whatever's going to happen will happen. It's going to move itself forward. And because of this in- insanity of the egoic mind, I have questions of whether or not, you know, they're going to make it right. Just there's too many people that have this, that are not awake enough to make good decisions, make moral, really good moral decisions, not moral decisions that my mind tell me are moral. 
And yep. then it gives me the right to hate you because you're against these things. I'm talking about a different sense. When you start to realize that any form of hating or everybody does the best they can all, at all times. And I don't care who it is to the guy that just beat up the old lady on the street. Or, that's the best he could do at that moment. Now, is it good? Is it bad? No, the guy's totally unconscious doing something that is completely insane, but he can't help himself. It's that insane of that mind. We may say we can change that. We can make that happen. But you can't, right? It's just, that's just the thing. And so we have to forgive and, you know, feel sorry for those people that are having to go through that at this time because it's just part of the insanity that's, that's out there right now. But, and the, the internet's amplifying this incredible. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's like crazy. It's crazy how it's just, it's crazy. It's actually really showing, you know, the, the kind of the, the stage of the evolution of the humans, of humans in, in this, you know, the grand beauty of all this nature, where yep. we stand. Is People say that there's so many different issues that the internet's creating, which I, I do believe that it gives other circumstances that didn't exist before. So I don't, I don't reject that, but I do believe kind of with what you're saying that I believe that social media and the internet and threads and all these things are, are exposing normal human behavior just right in ways that we were never able to see before very clearly everything is transparent everything is available and there there are some things that are created but there's so much of it in there that it's normal human behavior that people did the same stuff 300 years ago like people people are doing the same things they have the same drives and way of 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 thought sometimes and it's just exposing the way that humans act oh no question i mean this is Definitely bringing all this to the head right now. We're getting getting to see really what society and what people are really about. And the next phase is clearly what's happening is the algorithms are taking over. People right. talk about the machines. Oh, they'll never replace humans. Uh, they'll never be as smart. What are you talking about? These machines are smarter than I can put. I can, they're beating people in chess now. They're, they're doing things because they have access to all the knowledge of the world built into who they are <laughs> and the algorithms are now basically it's happening already you're already seeing if you go apply for well first of all look at uber and lyft your 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 uh, boss is an app you show up every day to an app that's who you check into is your app he's your boss right yeah. so that the, that's an automated uh you know a, a robotic system basically doing all that stuff you're seeing that the these uh 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 Algorithms are going to now separating. I mean, they're really driving us separately because they're learning what we want to see, what we don't want to see, and the the algorithms are picking the content and giving it to us. You know, people talk about this whole thing of worried about foreign people getting into our election. I'm more concerned about companies like Google and Facebook and stuff saying, you know what? I don't think I want to tell these this group of people this information because it doesn't align with what I want. It's already I mean, talk happening. About the algorithms. It's, already it's already happening. happening. It's, it's happening, happening right like now. Crazy. Yeah. Right. I mean, because especially now when you see the PC movement that's happening, from my point of view, that is the most dangerous thing we have as a society. Why? Because it's silencing society. It's getting people to stop saying anything. It's self-censoring. You're not posting. I mean, I I can tell you, I'm not saying stuff that I want to say anymore because I know people are going to go, oh, God, this guy's what? Right. They're going to pounce on me. So it's silencing us. And then you think about the algorithms that are going to be split because at the end of the day, we're only going to get the information that whoever's controlling them, the authorities that control all this infrastructure yeah. wants us to see, 
right? Because where are you going to get it? You're going to get it off your phone or off your computer or whatever. And it's going to just feed you what you want to see and yep. hear. So we're going into that type of a world. It's going to be a very interesting thing to see what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we are, it will be amazing to see what happens over the next hundred years because we're living in a time. Dude, five years. Yeah. This is about, what I'm a technologist because I've had tech companies, so I follow tech really close. The next five years. It's blow up. Are, it's blowing up because you have three main drivers. Bandwidth, storage, and horsepower have all hit the power band. 5G coming up. So yep. this connectivity and being able to move information and AI coming on. I mean, this is all coming on right now. <laughs> not, <laughs> not like a long time. This is, we're seeing an acceleration. I mean, tech has changed every 90 days. You, that's why you got to be educated. You got to know what's happening because every 90 days, things are changing, right? Crazy. Yep. Crazy times, but very interesting and exciting, actually, in a lot of ways. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm all like, you know, are we here? I mean, humans, maybe we're just here for this. This is our phase and we're supposed to go away now. Right. Cause I this believe the, the bigger the, thing is the reason more. to build it. This is like the part of that process is to build the next step or something like that. I, I mean, if you think about it, AI, all this stuff is starting to come on. It doesn't have issues with food. It doesn't have issues with all kinds of things. It can run a lot of stuff. And as it comes on, maybe the machines, because if you, if you like me, everything is consciousness. At the at down in the quantum level, because we now we're seeing science is now proving everything that the mystics have been talking about, the great avatars have talked about for you know thousands and thousands of years, are now being proven in in quantum mechanics. I mean, one of the prevailing things is that we live in like what it's like a, it's like a video game because the Heisenberg principle and all these new principles are proving that nothing's there until it's observed. Right. So it's like, are we walking around in this crazy thing? So all this stuff is coming together now at a very interesting time. And so maybe the machines and all that stuff, that's the next phase, right? Of this evolution of 4.5 billion years moving on. And maybe there's a new thing that happens. I mean, people get so uptight about the fact that they're like, oh, humans, they're so important. Well, yeah, but why is it any different than the, you know, the bird flying out there, the trees growing or anything else? We're just part of the whole life cycle of this yeah. old thing that's moving. And so, and I happen to believe that you can't die. <laughs> so I think you just transform into a new piece of energy. This thing is being driven by all of this and this goes away and the conscious piece of you is still continues on and it's, who knows what happens there. So I'm less worried about the humans and more, uh, less worried about any of it to be perfectly honest. It's all good. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever happens is fine. It's not a bad way to live to me. It's like, I'm not going to get all into like making it makes no sense to create all this anxiety. Oh, attention. So remember the goal of life is to die before you die. In other words, the minute you're on your <laughs> deathbed, you're going to struggle. No, no. And then finally you're going to say, okay, surrender. I'm going to let go. The key yeah. in life is to surrender now so that you're not suffering all the way up to that point. Because otherwise maybe what we're doing now is we're actually in hell. Maybe this is hell. Wow. <laughs> I mean, think about it in that terms. This whole idea of this egoic mind, once we get rid of that, the conscious thing that who we really are just continues on and life's good, right? So, man, I, you're going to have me going to bed tonight, Scott, and I'm going to be sitting there, but like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I got to well, reanalyze. <laughs> now you're talking about, we talked about the music. We talked, that's my, one of my favorite conversations, but this one is my favorite conversation. I love, 
I love the idea of consciousness. Who are we? What is this all about? And uh, because you're going to blink and you're going to be 60 and you're going to go, huh? How did that happen? 60 yeah. years? What and then you're going to blink and you're going to be on your deathbed and it's over and it's going to be like an illusion. Like a time. There, there is no sense of time because time is an illusion. It's a complete illusion. And they're proving that now even more. There was a new article I read the other day. There, there's a whole theory in proving that the, the present and the future happen at the exact same time. And that's new nice. quantum stuff that's saying things are happening. So, you know, it's nice. getting wild. We're getting more science and data that's like talking about all the things that go back to Buddha and Zona Rosa, Jesus and Muhammad, all these guys that have been talking about this stuff for a zillion years and talking about this awakening and enlightenment model. Uh, it's all starting to come together now with science kind of proving all of this. And it's fascinating. It's really fascinating to see. So anyway, there's my favorite subject. <laughs> I mean, I think that they go hand in hand. I mean, the point, yeah. the the podcast, like I, I created it because like not, not for like, I mean, a community is nice, but I, I literally had what you were saying, like back in my time, which is not long ago, I was just pursuing the side hustle that I was trying to make my career, hating my nine to five, you know? And I was like, obviously like, it's such a closed way to think about it, but I was like, there's no one else there that is suffering you know feeling the same way and it's such an ignorant thing to think because obviously there's millions of business and musicians and entrepreneurs and then everyone and everything there's it's all around me so i started it at that time just to just to voice it out there and learn from things and then i mean not even like a year or two later just from talking with people like non-stop and opening up about it you just uh, it's a, i'm a complete it's a completely different thought for me it's it's so into the process it's so into getting more present, you know, like chase, uh, you know, I spent time chasing, chasing things and then, you know, taking time away from loved ones or, or, you know, you have to work and you have to do things. But like, just like what you were saying, like, if you don't, if you're not living in the present, like you're not living basically. Well, you know, that's the only place, that's the only place you do live. Yes. It's the only place that's real. That's the only, See, time the only time that you're actually that's living. Real. And that, that's why getting that concept of understanding that everything's an illusion after it, there's no sense of time, it drops off and you start, the more you start living that way, then you start, it's easy. I can take one step and I can ask myself, how am I feeling? Feeling pretty good. Take another step. Feeling pretty good. Fail another step. Boom. Good thing. I've just gotten in my bed. How am I feeling? Pretty good. Things are good. Things are good. <laughs> yeah, things are right. I can manage that. Oh, wait, I'm starting to feel bad. Why? Oh, because uh, my, uh, my, I forgot to do something. Oh, I'm not going to get all freaked out about that because. I'm getting in my bed. Everything's okay. Oh, I'm back up again. So it's yeah. much easier to maintain once you can learn to stop thinking. The right. thought is your whole problem. So the key is the key is to realize that there's first step is to realize that your mind is incapable of knowing truth falsehood and it's really another voice. So recognizing that other voice, which is really who you are at the end of the day, not the thinker, but the watcher. So it's identifying that and why an exercise I tell everybody to do is just because it's very difficult to ask yourself, Hey, where am I right now? All through your day, like just take this exercise through the day tomorrow, get up, make a commitment, say all day long, all day long, I'm making a commitment to stopping myself as many times as I can, stopping where I am taking a deep breath, looking around and just putting every cell of my body attention of where I am at this moment. Yeah. At this moment, 
And um, at that very moment, and then ask those questions. What am I feeling? How am I now? And taking a check. Because every time you ask that question, you're actually waking up a little bit because you were awake enough to ask the question. I can tell you the first day I tried to do that, right. I, I, couldn't, I didn't ask the question once until I went to sleep and I went, holy crap, I was so asleep, so engulfed in everything that was going on, I wasn't even able to ask that question. So I ended up putting stickers all around my house, in cupboards, in my drawers, every time. <laughs> so then when I pick it up and said, wake Where are you up. right now? I wake up and I would go, where am I? I'm standing here in front of my drawer, getting my socks. I'm looking around. What am I feeling? God, I'm all stressed out about this meeting I got coming up in, later today. Yeah. Oh, I'm identified with this thing in my thought. I'm not even at the meeting, right? <sighs> Calm it all down. It allows you to start doing that. So I put those stickers up and I just, that's what I did. You, you have to be relentless about this because your mind and your ego will fight you tooth and nail. Because yeah. here's the question you have to ask yourself. It's all about awareness. You want to become ultra highly aware and you say, okay, well, I'm aware. But the question is, how do I know I'm aware that I am aware? How do I know I'm aware that I'm aware? Because your mind will say, wow, I'm aware right now. Yeah, I'm aware. But you're not. Your yeah, mind you is thinking, it's, it's labeling, it's thinking, it's thought, it's doing stuff. And when you're in thought like that, you cannot be aware. So you yes. be careful. Your mind will fool you. Because the mind, once you become aware, the mind starts losing all of its power. The ego starts losing its power because you, you start pushing it around. It's a playful toy now. It's like you use it when you need it and you put it away when you don't need it. And you don't let it consume you 24-7 where it's all thought, laying in bed, my mind is spinning, all this stuff. You just can shut it off. Go away. I'll bring you back when I need you. So that's where you want to try to get to. Because then life becomes more joyful and you don't worry about the you don't worry about goals in the end. You, know, you just make sure that the ride is incredible. And then you, you won. You're, you're Bill Gates. You won the Holy Grail. You can't <laughs> buy that with money. Everybody can have this insane sense of peace and happiness without having to spend a dime or, uh, or, or uh, make millions of dollars. It's all right there, right? It's just a matter of saying it's important enough to ha- live a peaceful life and be, and be joyful and enjoy it. If, you, if that becomes important to you, then it's there. Now, remember, the ego is going to do everything it can. And some people, man, in depressed area states, it's very difficult. because The grip of that mind is intense. Yeah. It doesn't want to let go, but that's where it becomes devotion. And you got to devote to it. Get something, have something you read every day, right? The Power of Now, an incredible book. Eckhart Tolle, incredible. I read that book 60 times. I listened to it for two years in my car. And every time I read it, it was different, but it was, I had to become devoted to it. And then months would go by and I wouldn't do it. And then Oh, I got to get back. And it's a fight. It's a real struggle, right? This isn't simple. It's not for the, the weak and timid. Let's put it that way. But I can tell you, there's nothing more important in that journey, man. I tell you, once you start to crack that code, life becomes just incredible because then you're not things and objects and stuff don't matter to you anymore. Like it's just different. You lose that. Yeah. It doesn't have that. It's fun, but you're not identifying with, oh, that business meeting, that job didn't happen. Oh, that's cool. No problem. It was the wrong job. Wrong thing. Don't need to happen. More importantly is, are these the right people I'm working with? It's like when I go into business meetings, I'm not trying to, how do I get this deal? I'm going in to say, man, is this a good fit? Are we going to have a good time together? Is this the right thing? Yes. No, no, no problem. Cool. See you later. Yeah. Since I've done that, everything seems to happen because I'm not wasting time on things that I'm trying to make happen. Things are happening because they're supposed to happen. Right. Right. And if it's not supposed to happen, then it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. 
Next. Still fine. Qualify and clear. If it's the right thing, move on. But some people, and I was the same, which like, got to get that deal. Got to work on slips. <sighs> all this stuff. How can I convince them? All these things. And I'm like, well, if I have a good value proposition and I go in there and it makes sense and I get a good sense that we're going to be able to work together, it's going to happen. Otherwise, it's not. And it right. doesn't really matter because I'm standing there and the next step's going to happen and I'm going to figure it out from that point on, right? So anyway, that's my uh, two cents. I do have to go. <laughs> okay. I've been on the phone here for a while. Yeah, we've, um, we've hung out for a while. I, yeah, I had a couple of times you saw me pushing people hitting me up from my call, but I just uh, pushed it off so that we could have this conversation because like I said, this is a fun conversation. Cool. Um, Scott, I will, because I want to let you go, I will follow up with any links or if you want okay, real quick how people follow you, I can throw it, maybe you can email it back. I'll include how people can catch up with okay, Scott. Great. Take a look at everything that he's doing with his businesses or music, everything like that. I'll have that in the show notes if you go to the website on there. Okay, so very good. Excellent. I'll get you out of here. Thank you for your time. Seriously, Thank man. you for this having me, awesome. buddy. It was awesome. Great conversation, man. And congratulations on your show. Thank you very you're much. Gonna be, you're going to do just fine, my brother. Yeah, you feel it? I feel it, bro. All right. Yep. It's all about that energy, man. It's like, we just want to go make stuff happen and Create. make it be positive, right? Yep. Because it's all positive. It's all positive. All right, brother. Thank you for your time, Scott. Appreciate it, man. See you later. Take care. Bye. All right, guys. That's going to conclude episode 32 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. I really hope you enjoyed Scott's conversation as much as I did because I left that with a lot to think about, a lot to chew on. There's so much content in there. I'm probably going to have to listen to this a couple times for myself to kind of figure out what I took from it. But If you guys want to check out the show notes, I did include some of those resources that Scott talked about that are very cool. I've started looking through them myself and books at the wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes. If you want to read the show notes on that and check it out, this video will also be up on YouTube. If you look up waking up from work podcast on there and, uh, you know, I'm very excited to keep up with this with you guys. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. Peace. Peace.